Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photography is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial, go to Squarespace.com slash TWIP. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at FreshBooks.com. That's FreshBooks.com. This week on TWIP, another mobile photo application enters the fray after raising... 41 million bucks, printing more can actually save you money, and an interview with web marketing guru, Zach Prez. It's Saturday, March 26th, 2011, and this is Twit. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photography, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on the show are Mr. Alex Lindsay, Steve Simon, and from South Africa, Mr. Tristan Hall. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi, Frederick. Um, you know, before we jump into the news and all that good stuff, um, I have to ask Alex, did you get your iPad 2 yet? Of course, I got my iPad. Too. How did you? Did you stand in line, or did you send somebody to go stand in line for you? Which I may or may not have had somebody <laughs> stand in line for me. Yes, thank you. So you paid like nine hundred dollars for your iPad too? <laughs> no, 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 no. I have, you know, there are people who work at my office, and so we just. <laughs> yes. Oh, I forgot. And you're the boss, so you could say your job today is to get me an iPad. <laughs> so poor, so poor Alutha sat in the line for. You four put Alutha in the line. Oh, I my gave God. him. I gave him a chair and a laptop. I said, did you buy here. him an? ipad at least i should have I, should. I, I, never, I didn't really think that far out he's already got an ipad so anyway, an so. ipad 2 he did not have an ipad 2 i guarantee it it was my job it was my job to have one i uh, i had yeah. to be at mac you know you know i i have i'm on mac break i have to sure, be able to talk about it. sure all right all right then the next question that comes up is tristan who's been raving about his galaxy tab uh, i knew you were gonna bring this you up. know i was <laughs> so uh wait, there's this new thing out there tristan um uh, what are you doing? Are you going to get one? <clears throat> or do you have one um, already? No, I, I, got, I actually got given an iPad 1 um, as, a, as a gift by someone who was parting our shores and, and mm-hmm. returning back to an iPad 2. So I think I'll be happy just sticking with this for the time being. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Does that mean you are, you're cheating on the <laughs> Galaxy Tab or are you uh, divorcing it and moving in with a new one? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think... Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not too sure yet what I'm doing. Oh, you're two timing. Uh, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I got the. He's, he's like the Galaxy it. Tab is sitting right here next to me. I can't talk about it right. <laughs> Zach, it's listening. <laughs> I, no, the, the the iPad. I got the camera connector kit for it. It's great. I can get my photographs onto it without any hassle. From there, I get a bit frustrated because I can't get them onto my blog. So yeah. Unless I'm using some form of app or whatever, it's a little bit frustrating. And the Galaxy Tab's the other way around uh, it's, i can i have to go through a computer to get my pictures onto it but i can get my pictures from it onto the blog so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm having that love-hate relationship with both at the moment gotcha there's no perfect device for you yet so you uh no i'll, I'll i'm still waiting for my windows 7 tablets and then i can just have all three and you know stick play with whichever one i want Jeez, that's what they call you tristan right <laughs> here you go <laughs> 
All right, uh, so we're going we're to talk about that a little bit more later. Also on the show is Mr. Steve Simon. <laughs> Steve, you are, uh, you're, aren't you about to head out to Dubai and do a workshop and stuff out there? Uh, no, I just came back from Dubai. Wait, I thought Gulf. you were leaving. God, you're, no, no. you're like always on a plane. No, no, no. I was there, uh, started the revolution, and then I left. But uh, <laughs> No, no, I was in Dubai. Gulf Photo Plus, what a great event. We had a, an amazing time. We had... Uh, this time, uh, Gregory Heisler, the great portrait photographer, was there. The guy is just so fantastic, great teacher, very articulate about photography. And uh, it, was, it was just a, an amazing event. We're seeing a lot of uh, Americans, you know, combine their vacation with their photo passions and, and head out for that week uh, at Gulf Photo Plus that they have every year. Nice. And uh, I was actually on a panel, iPad for Photographers. Oh, and, uh, I oh, didn't wow. have an iPad. I was gonna say <laughs> so, you don't own an iPad. How could well, you get no, on that I, panel? I got, one, I got one a week before the uh, <laughs> oh the deal. I was on a panel with uh, Zach Arias, and yeah. fortunately, he's you know a real iPad slash photographer. So together we kind of uh, fudged it, but so let me but, guess you you asked him a bunch of questions and he answered them. That was well, <laughs> you know, I I did have an iPad. I I did a little kind of. Uh, um, uh, keynote presentation, but yep. but I, I do realize the value, particularly as a um, portfolio device of of an iPad. But uh, and I'm going to get an iPad too. I sold my iPad to my sister. Oh, She'll buy anything. And, awesome. uh, I'm going <laughs> to get an iPad too as soon as I'm available. I'm not as uh, I don't have a staff like Alex. I know Alex minions. Alex has minions. <laughs> 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 I am. Uh, I'm also going to pick up one, but I'm going to. I'm like you, Steve. I'm going to wait until uh, those lines die down because I hear if you want to get one, you got to go stand in line at like eight thirty or nine a.m. at the Apple Store, and that ain't me. So I will. Uh, I'll wait until they're, but, but, <laughs> the lines are non-existent, and then I'll go get mine. But Frederick, I thought you don't choose your iPad. I thought it's too big. Who said that? I love my iPad. <laughs> you know, I mainly use. Well, here's the thing. Um, the because of the horsepower in there and because of GarageBand, I really want to start mm. experimenting with recording podcasts on the iPad okay. directly. Um, I know Alex is all oh. over that, so I want to I want to start doing that and see if that's if it's feasible to like create and edit and and upload a podcast with this little tablet. So it should be interesting. The key is just getting good really audio input. Yeah, yeah, and you can yeah. go through USB right through the through the camera connection kit with a headset. Or yes. or plug in the like what we're doing now. This the mic I'm speaking to you now. I could just plug in directly. It's That's a, well, that, getting that yeah, kind of. Uh oh. <laughs> he's like he's like Frederick. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's kind of there. It's just the, you know. It's, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Aside from some technical difficulties, you you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we jump into the show, let's. Uh, hey, Alex, who's our first sponsor? Squarespace.com is a, a great way to. Uh, to actually, um, you know, put together your blog. I, Pixelcore. If you go to pixelcore.com, dvgarage.com, bordersack.com, um, those are all sites that we've built uh, or that I've built uh, with Squarespace. My sister has familiarlight.squarespace.com, which oh, is cool. uh, she just put that together, and that's her little blog about photography. She takes pictures of her kids and family and everything else. And so people started people ask her so many questions about how she does that. Um, that she uh, she put that up, but that's something that my, and my sister is not a techie. You know, she's not. You know, and, and that's a perfect example of you know what's possible um, when it comes to uh, what you can do with Squarespace. It's WYSIWYG. You can sit there and just draw stuff out. There's hundreds of templates to start with. 
Um, you can throw it together. You can have, uh, you know, if you're a beginner, you don't have to do anything extra. If you're a CSS expert, you can do a lot of extra stuff. It just depends on what you have. There's modules that you can, um, you know, you can import and export out of WordPress, Blogger, Movable Type, TypePad. Um, there's also, you can have forum functions and photo galleries and form builders and, and uh, you know, all these pieces um, that you normally would have to do a lot of writing code and you have to figure out how to install it on the server and all that stuff and you don't want to do that. So, um, the best way to do it, the best way to get started, if you're, if you're a photographer or, or you want to do your family blog or your personal blog or whatever it is and you don't want to figure out how to install stuff, you just want it to work uh, and you just want to design it yourself without going through a lot of learning you know, books on HTML and everything else, uh, Squarespace is just the perfect place to, to start. You don't have to believe me. Go to squarespace.com slash twip. That's squarespace.com slash TWIP. You don't need a credit card. You can just try it out and start building your website. Uh, and it's just, a, just you're, I think you're going to find that it's just a really, really easy way to, uh, um, to get started if you, if you haven't been able to figure out how you want to do that and you want something that looks nice, that works, uh, that's going to be able to handle you know, a, lot of, you know, a lot of traffic if you start pushing people towards it. Uh, you know, and, and it's just easy to put together. Um, this is the place to go. Squarespace.com slash TWIP. And I would just add on to that, the, one of the cool things about it just inherently into using a web-based site builder tool like Squarespace is that it is in the cloud. And yeah. uh, recently I had to, if you're following me on Instagram, Frederick Van on Instagram, um, if you're following me, you know that um, I've had several trips back and forth to the Apple Store to get my computer fixed. But <laughs> it hasn't been that much of an impact because all my stuff is in the cloud. And if I was using Squarespace, right. you know, the Squarespace piece, because that is in the cloud, you can grab a computer from anywhere or even manage it from within the Apple Store while they're trying to change the letters on your keyboard like they were <laughs> <laughs> well and, and and the thing is is that it's also you know you don't have to figure out how much you know it, it's it's in it's it's all there if, if for some reason you do something that gets becomes really popular you're not worried about your server melting down or, yeah. or getting you know whatever it, it really is um something that you know it's it's all part of this larger this larger cloud and you can update it on your ipad on your iphone you know there's just it's really easy and uh and fun definitely worth checking out awesome all right, on to story, the stories, this week's stories. The first one is this application that I just installed yesterday, um, and it's pretty interesting. It's called Color. Uh, I believe it's for the iPhone. I believe they're, they're probably coming out with versions for other platforms as well. Um, I think they've just launched for Android. Did uh, they also? Also, uh, Good. So, yeah, the universe will be even bigger. And that's the whole thing about this particular application is that it uh, – it, Instead of like, if, if you're familiar with Instagram where you take a picture and it's kind of like the, the analogy is Twitter, you take a photo and people that are following you can see the image that you just took and you can tweet it out and people can look at the image and all that. It's pretty cool. This one is location based. So you, if you're 100 and 150 feet around people that are sharing images, you will see the photos that they're sharing, which is kind of interesting because it, it opens up possibilities, I think, for, like from in my brain, I really don't care what you know some stranger in the park is taking pictures of. But if I'm in a group environment, like at a party or some club or a wedding or something, it'd be interesting to see what's going on around me and be exposed to that. Now, the the other interesting piece of this is they raised forty one million forty one million with an M dollars for this iPhone slash Android application. Uh, Alex, um, have you played with Color and and what do you think about the app itself? First of all, I I haven't. I think it's a great idea. I'm I'm I, I was I've been kind of trying to uh, I've been going through here trying to figure out who the team is um, <laughs> because because either one of my friends is on the team. Uh, 
or I'm Pixel member actually, but one of them is on on the team, or they're or they're going to be very upset. <laughs> one or the other, you know, you know, and I and I'm not sure. You know, they're in Palo Alto, so it might be actually them. Uh, you know, this is you know the um, uh, you know I think that there is you know, to me there's this huge value in. Uh, um, there's a huge value in community, and I think that's when, when we look at the trajectory of, of content, it's really all about content to generate community. And I think that there is just, you know, we're going to see more and more things like this where it gives everybody an opportunity to work together and, and to cover things and cover, um, uh, you know, events and cover a lot of other pieces of, uh, of stuff. And so I, I think that, um, you know, I know that it would be great at a wedding, at a, at a, at, you know, at a concert, at a, you know, there's lots of things here that allow people to kind of, uh, all work together on this stuff. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> Steve, would you, would you use something like this? I mean, and you're, I know you're not a heavy sort of iPhone shooter because you're always lugging around your new D3. What is it? <laughs> X or S. What S? Whatever you have S now. S for Steve. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I know you don't take anything less than you know than a DSLR well, no, I, photo, I, but I, I think I think you know, like you guys. I mean, it's it is a great idea. I I just have not gotten to the point now where I I seem to have the time to really be playing with all this stuff. I I want to, and I will, and I think you know maybe in six months when I get a handle on all the stuff that I'm doing right at the moment. But, uh, no, I, I, I think that, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, Frederick, uh, in the notes, you know, um, whether DSLRs will, will start to, to have this uh, built-in sharing. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably true, maybe the low-end ones to start. I mean, for professionals to, to have, you know, uh, a way to, to, to uh, send their, their stuff from their camera, you know, without tethering to a computer, that really works and is is effective. And that's going to be great. But uh, I I think that maybe the market for that is is too small to make it happen. You know, first it's gonna it's gonna be stuff like this that we see first. But yeah. but no, I I, I I I'll play with it, but not 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 just yet. That's the thing, though. I don't think it's a matter of finding time to play with these kind of applications. It's more of a like you're walking to Starbucks or something. You see an interesting. Something interesting. You can pull out your phone and take a picture of it and share it with your thousands of followers, Steve. And then, yeah, no, and you're right about comment. that. But I'm not even at the point. Like, I'm going to start be starting a blog. I haven't even done that yet. You've been talking you, about that for two years, though. Steve. I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, you guys got me into Twitter, and I'm there. But you'll you'll see if you follow me that uh, you know I try and you know give quality tweets, but I'm I'm not tweeting all the time. Yeah. See, see I, the, here's the problem. Your 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 real where you're where you're missing the boat is trying trying to give quality tweets. Yes. You know, so, you know, I just, you know, you just, I just tweet. Yeah. It's not a meal, Steve. It's junk food. Come on. <laughs> <It> really? <laughs> well, yeah, you're right, guys. Thanks. I, I you know, I needed to hear that. I needed that's to right. hear that. That's so, right. Tristan, Tristan, are you going to, are you going to use this color app? I mean, would this be something that you'd work into like sharing with the world or is it just more noise? Well, it's, it's, it is a difficult one because I do sometimes think if it doesn't fit into my, my day-to-day happenings, and it's a little bit of an inconvenience. Um, but at the same time, this particular app really, when I, when I saw it recently, it, it got me interested in so many possibilities. Like I was thinking today when we were having our, um, our photo walk that it would have been ideal for a situation like that oh, because yeah. you, we were photographing um, some parkour guys at one of the university campuses here and <clears throat> I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with parkour and and what it involves. Um, It's also sometimes called free running where you have guys that kind of 
look at, at stairs and instead of just walking up the stairs, they look at ways that they can jump up and get up faster or, you know, jump over a bench rather than walk around it and, mm. and kind of the economy of movement. And it, it's a great, great concept and makes for some great photographs. Um, but, you know, we had a, a rather large group and they split off into different areas of the campus. And I thought it would have been great in this particular environment for people to to snap some pictures with their, their iPhones and what have you and, and have them... Um, being able to to view what's going on in the different locations on the campus um, and what the different guys were doing uh, based on their surroundings. So I, I think there's some great potential with with this kind of an application. Um, oh, I want, I, I th- yeah. Sorry, yeah? No, go, go ahead, Tristan. I think um, the one thing that, that kind of gets to me slightly with it is with a lot of these apps is that, um, and I know, in, in the first world countries, you know, the market is is largely iPhone and Android. Um, but I mean, you know, you've got other other great f- mobile phones with with fantastic cameras in them, like the Nokia N8, um, for example. Or uh, you know, there's um, in fact a lot of their phones have some fantastic cameras in them. We've just reviewed the Nokia N8 recently. But the operating platform, although it's not as big in in other um, parts of the world in in developing countries they 're massive and they 're huge and I mean every second person you meet is is using those and unfortunately, some of the good apps aren 't getting onto those devices so that 's a little bit unfortunate i mean if if we had done it for example today, I think maybe two of the people that were there had an Android phone and would have been able to to use it and there was one iphone yeah. so that 's a little bit frustrating with it, but I think that the application for this soft, for this kind of an app is is incredible, particularly right. for like I said, photo walks and that. Yep. Well, and I also think that when you look at, uh, we, we've been seeing a lot of stuff happen in, in, in the Middle East. When you look at the, um, the activism opportunities uh, with an application like this, uh, one of the yeah. issues that you get into is, is that the, um, essentially you cannot, if, if, you, if, if I was a, um, I'm not really an activism shooter, just not what I do, because um, uh, I don't like to get in trouble in the countries that I'm working in. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, if I was going to organize a bunch of people that wanted to cover a protest or wanted to cover one of these things, you organize it with an application like this and everyone's taking pictures and everyone has the photos, which means that if you were trying to clamp down on the photos or figure out what happened, you know, if you were a, a, an authoritarian, I mean, when I say authoritarian, we've had problems like this in the, in the U.S., it'd be impossible. Like, it'd be impossible for you to track everybody down because everybody's all, you know, you, you can capture one person who, who's got the photo, but everybody has all the photos at the same time. You know, and, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of um, interesting uh, repercussions of, of applications that spread this stuff so quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> I think one, one very real problem that it solves for me that I can think of immediately is photo walks. I mean, one of the, one of the right. things around photo walks, like you were mentioning, Tristan, is, is the sharing aspect. So you can go all, all yeah. day and take all kinds of great pictures with your DSLRs. But then when you meet up at the end of that photo walk, you have all these images that are on cards and how do you get them in to view them and so it just sort of ends at that point and yet there's a break in time between that image being taken and when you can share it with the other people that were on that photo walk something like this especially if it was built into a dslr would be great where you could just shoot and you know flag things maybe it's through uh, you know an iFi card or something but share it so that that particular group could see it immediately you know in that location yeah. so yeah, okay. And if, you could, if there was a desktop companion to it where you're all shooting this stuff, and you could kind of do this with iFi now, that you know, everything's kind of getting flowed into that right, you know, all, all at one time, I think it's a really interesting, interesting possibility. So, yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, so you have to play with it. I can see. I, I, there's a lot of bad reviews on, on iTunes mm-hmm. uh, right now, but I can see why they got 40, 41 million. 
like looking at what they're doing. That was the other piece I wanted to throw to you, Alex. I mean, you're you're the resident CEO of this group. I mean, forty one million dollars for an app. I mean, it's not to not to you know diminish the programming and effort that went into this particular application, but it's an iPhone application. Where can they possibly spend forty one million dollars on this thing? Well, I, you know, obviously, whatever they're 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 obviously very private about whatever they're doing because I think this is only step one of whatever 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 they're working on. This is this little free iPhone app is them just uh, getting their dipping their toe in and testing a mo- a, mo- a market and a model. Mm, okay. um, you know, I, I don't think that this you know they're not they didn't get forty one million dollars to put out a free app on iTunes. Thank they got forty one million dollars because it is not trivial to to basically create a, a a photo mesh network you know this is you know it's it's this is complicated engineering you know and and i'm sure that they have a lot of um secret sauce that's making this work seamlessly if it's working seamlessly we haven't tested it yet yeah. um but the point is is that i think that there's going to be um you know there are so many opportunities when you when it comes to uh and so many disruptive things that can be done with this, you know, uh, you know, have the, you know, you have the NFL with this whole like rule about not taking photos at, at, at football games. Oh, right. Yeah. It becomes very concerts, hard to control. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's very hard to control when you have these kind of, when you have these kind of technologies, you know, you know, in concerts and everything else. Um, and imagine, you know, if you're, if you're going to a concert and everyone's taking photos and sure on an iPhone, you know, an iPhone's easy because it's already connected, but definitely if you had little attachments and so on and so forth for your other cameras. And then if you look at, you know, Samsung makes Wi-Fi enabled GPS cameras that could theoretically do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the, um, so if you, as you have higher quality cameras, imagining everybody going to a concert, everybody taking pictures, and when you, and, and you don't have to figure out how you're going to sync up later, everybody's got the photos when they leave, you know, and that's a, and that's a, and the same thing with weddings and the same thing with, you know, I think that, uh, I think the iPhone and the Android app are very rudimentary versions of uh, what most likely is going to happen. It's it's a pretty revolutionary technology when you think about what it where it could go, and I'm sure that where it could go is where they got the money. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I can't, I can't. Yeah, you you make a really good point. I didn't think about that. This was the tip of the iceberg of some some underlying complex technology that will deploy and probably do the things that we've just been talking about. So yeah. Yeah. yeah that, and it, it could a, be, it could be a lot of people's, you know, the best thing that ever happened to them. And for, you know, some people it'll be the, their worst nightmare Yeah, yeah <laughs> as exactly. far as controlling stuff. And, you know, so on, it so may forth. change like Steve, like your world, like photojournalism and that kind of thing. I can see this kind of technology and citizen journalism, just in time journalism, kind of changing things a little bit right because you because yeah, now well, there's a, a burning building and 17 people that are watching it have iphones and are taking real-time pictures and making cloud of images around that event you know yeah, so you're right i mean speed rules i mean it's always been that way i mean the first photographer to get his stuff you know to the wire has the better chance of getting his stuff around the world because they're lo- they're waiting for the the photos to come and and you know that's the first one that they're going to post to the website or wherever. So yeah, anything that speeds up the process definitely will will make things uh, faster, of course. But you know it's it's you know what's the rush? I mean, when you talk about sort of serious photographers, though, I mean it's not about sort of rushing to get this stuff out. It's about sort of taking the time and uh, and waiting for waiting till you're ready to get things out. So yeah, it's 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 a different kind of you know. There's different degrees of photography pursuits that and and certainly yeah. You know, speed. But are is, we are we moving into the generation that that in some ways quality doesn't matter that much and it's more about the expediency. So you know, on the one hand, you have 
the guy that's taking shots real time of the tsunami in Japan, you know, and then the destruction and they're crappy shots, but you can kind of get an idea of what's going on and it just happened four minutes ago, you know, versus versus the photojournalist shot that is beautiful and high resolution of the, you know, some some tear-jerking scene that comes out a week and a half later. You know, which one has more impact on the world? Yeah, I mean, content has always trumped, you know, technical quality. I mean, when you've got something going on and it's, it's compelling, you want to see it no matter how fuzzy and it's it's going to you know get your attention yeah um mm-hmm. but uh no i mean of course i mean that's that's kind of where we're at i mean you know we have that instant access i mean it wasn't that long ago i mean you know 2001 i mean you know when 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 not to bring up 9-11 when it happened you know very few people had had cameras in their phones i think uh, phone cams were just starting to come out at that time yet you know that scene was photographed and and recorded from so many different levels and and that was at a time when we don't have anywhere near the recording devices we have now so mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 everything's happening in real time it's it's hard to even predict like 2 years down the road you know how things are going to shake down because it's moving so fast yeah 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 definitely i could imagine if someone like facebook acquired color you know somehow and and integrated that into the network so that now there's clouds of images showing up that you can like you know and then it just goes viral that way so there's a lot of things that can happen it's very interesting all right guys let's move on to story number two and this one's still in the same vein of image sharing but bringing it into the terrestrial world or the atom-based world instead of electron world so printing itself and we've talked about this on the show before but um, there's an article that came out that said, basically, if you're not printing, you know, very often, you might as well not even get a printer because it's going to, if you leave your printer idle for months, you'll have all sorts of problems like clogged nozzles, dried up ink cartridges, etc. And I actually hit that the other day. I was trying to print something and my ink was dry. So I had to go get something, you know, I had to go get another cartridge. Um, so to this panel, to you three guys, who is printing? Like I just, I'm curious. You're talking about printing images, printing photos, you know, and, and handing physical photos and hanging them on the wall, put them in frames, or giving them to people with, Alex, with our own printers. With our own printers. With your own printer, not sending it out to a lab. Like you have an Epson or a Canon or whatever at your house, and you send an image to it and print it. When's no, the I last time you've done that, Alex? Uh, 2005. Wow. I mean, you know, I mean, it's I, I don't I don't um I don't print I don't. I don't do my own printing for photos. I, here the problem was is that I felt like the investment that I had to make into these, um, into a printer that printed an image that I was happy with was really high. You know, everything that came out of the printers was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I could see the line, I could see the print lines, I could see mm-hmm. the pixels, I could see, yeah. I could see lots of things and I was just like, I'm not happy with anything under like $1,200 and I just wasn't sure if I really wanted to spend that much money on a, on a, on a printer because I don't know how often I was going to use it. I have a laser printer that I paid like 300 bucks for that prints really fast and so it prints, you know, sheet, you know, release sheets and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't print color at all. Um, I have to admit the way, the, the way that I view most of our images is through, there's really two avenues. One is the Apple TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the Apple TV too. We talked about this in the last show, uh, where um, uh, I have two Apple TVs and, and uh, hooked to these big TVs, and they just play all these images that I shot of the kids, of the family, of other things, and uh, and it's a 50 inch picture, you know, of of these of you know that that has a little Ken Burns effect on it, and mm-hmm. it just goes from one image to the other, and that's the number one way we see them. The second way we see them is is that I print. Um, I've really gotten into printing books. So, um, uh, so like I, you know, my, my, uh, 
uh, and I'm just printing them out of either iPhoto or Aperture, you know what I mean? And so you just, it's so easy. I mean, you sit there and you, you drag a whole bunch of stuff in, you can do color correction to them while they're in the book. You know, you double click on it, it opens up, you color correct it a little bit more so it matches the other ones that are on the page and then you drop it back in. Yep. And, um, and like what I did is I was sitting in, uh, you know, we, we, my, my, I have a lot of points. You know, I travel a lot. And so I have a lot of points and, and hotel stuff. And so I used all that up and we went to St. Martin, you know, for my wife's birthday. And, and uh, while we were, so we'd shoot all day, I'd shoot all day. And my wife was kind of irritated by it, you know, and uh, but of her doing things and, you know, in places and on the beach and everything else. And then every night or every morning when she was still sleeping, I'd go into iPhoto and I'd put, start putting together the book, you know. And then the end of the week, end of the trip, I was actually able to show her this book that I had lined up and we had put little text things in and everything else. And then I just uploaded it. And like three or four days after we got home, we had a book of St. Martin, you know, of, of our trip. You know, great, like it was yeah. still fresh in our in our in our mind, and everything was done. And it's and it's book. I didn't. I don't think I corrected all the photos as well as I could have. But but they were. You know, overall, it was just. And she was just over the moon over this book. You know, and now we we've stopped calling the vacations. We've we've started to call them photo shoots. So like, we're, I have to do a job in Paris, and I'm dragging my my wife along. <laughs> and um, and uh, we we're doing the photo the Paris shoot. So we're gonna do like our little trip to Paris, and we're gonna take little pictures and everything else. But now she's totally into it. Like she just wants the she, she's she's like ready to to do all the goofy things I ask her to do when I want to take photos, um, you know, so that I can get these great photos for the because the idea is that we're building the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's a purpose behind the action instead of just you know just random shot that you're gonna take and you'll never see it again. Right. Right. And 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 so the thing is is and 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 it's just um and so I love doing that. I don't want to you know I don't want to get into making my own books and I don't need to. I mean, it's for, for 30 bucks. I can have a book sent to me and sent to my house, you know, and, and so, and, um, and my wife uses, you know, uh, services to print. And I, and, and even like when my mom asks for pictures of the kids, I just, I, I go to iPhoto, I select them and then I just say print and give them her address and they just mail them to her, yeah. you know? And, and so you never even like, see the physical print. It's just, no, no, direct no, I don't see yeah. them at all. They're just, they just show up at her house and then she's really happy, yeah. you know? And, and, um, and then she puts them in little frames and they're all over the house. And, and, and the thing is, is that it's just, um, you know, to me, I've kind of moved past this. I don't want to have that piece of apparatus around anymore. I, mm -hmm. I just, um, you know, and I definitely respect people who do. I just amazed, you know, at, at what people do to, you know, when they print them all, I just, um, you know, yeah, you just don't, you don't print and it's, it's not in your sort of core of things that you need to get done. So right. investing the time in color correcting and making sure everything is perfect is not, what you need. Well, I, right? I, I like to color correct them to make sure that they're going to they're going to come out well on the screen or they're going to come out well in the book or whatever. Um, so I like doing all of that. But I, I the idea of printing like six prints and I grew up on a in a dark room. I mean, you know, I I mean, I was doing developing photos when I was 12, you know, so yep. um, and and so and I love that. I love the smell of Dectol. It's like chocolate. <laughs> Dectol so, um, in the morning. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that should like, be the title of the show. Dectol, it's like chocolate. Dectol, it's like chocolate. So, um, so the, uh, uh, but I, you know, so I love that physical, that physical experience. Um, but in my day to day, my life is just too busy to to get to do that anymore. Yeah. Now, Tristan, what about you? Are you uh, are you a printer or are you a uh, an online guy? Um, I must be honest. I, most of my pictures, yeah, they, they, if I'm sharing them, I share them online. Um, when was the last time you printed a shot? Uh, about a month ago. Oh, um, okay. we, well, Epson sent us a, a, a printer to review. So we, oh, wait, wait, we wait. To, let me rewind that then. It. Let's rewind that. <laughs> when was the last time you printed a photo on your own <laughs> printer that you spent Tristan Hall dollars on? Uh, well, you bought the ink and the paper. Back, so. <laughs> so I'm going to say that's a um, never. <laughs> 
No, I, I, look, I must be honest. I haven't, I haven't bought a photo printer, um, and that's largely because I, I just, I don't have the place to put the printed photographs. To, um, we, my wife prints some of the stuff that we shoot uh, for her scrapbooking and that from time to time, um, but. You know, in South Africa, I've I've definitely seen the benefit for some professional photographers to to print their own work, um, because there is, in some respects, a severe lack in good professional labs. We saw a, a massive closing of labs um, over the last few years, and some of the biggest casualties were the pro labs. And, you know, we've got, I was at a, a, a meeting of photographers a couple of weeks back where, you know, the, the, the large portion of their discussion was the fact that they can't find a lab that is consistent in their printing, that whether it be normal prints, whether it be photo books, um, you know, they're just not getting the quality or consistency that they'd like to offer to to their clients and that. And so, uh, I certainly see for those who are struggling in that area the benefit of doing it, but it, it it's a bit of a grudge decision to do then because you do a printing, shooting and printing is is in my opinion two different things. I mean you can have, have take great photographs, but if you don't know how to actually you know transfer that into print, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a new skill set that you've got to have, and so and and requires more time that you sometimes just don't have either. So it it is a bit of a, a catch twenty two situation, but. But for those who who want to maintain their consistency, or you know, certain fine art photographers, I know there's there's probably one lab that I know of up in in Johannesburg where um, they print work for photographers around the world. Um, but they specialize in black and white stuff, and they do hand printing and that. So they they've got their own little niche which works for them for in the fine art market. But for general like wedding photographers or, or portrait photographers. Um, there, there's, it's a case of them having to build a very good relationship with not only the lab but the particular printer that they like to deal with and you know, and that he may not be there in two months time kind of thing so it's a bit of a, a mission and for those people that are struggling there then I would say it's something they need to take into consideration Yeah. Now, now Steve, Simon you've got a number of books in Amazon right now, The Republicans um, Heroines and Heroes are you a guy that you just you know the, anytime you print is going to be through your publisher or do you ever print like alex any just your own one-off coffee table books or prints that you're going to hang on the wall you know I, i've been a, a printer from way back you know for some of the reasons that uh, tristan pointed out i mean you want to be in full control of things but i think that uh, you know the printer manufacturers the photographic printer manufacturers are probably um, you know, losing ground because, you know, I've, I've lately, you know, sent su- stuff to Costco and in an hour I've got 20 12 by 18s where I'm paying $2.99 each. Mm-hmm. When I'm, when I'm going to do an exhibition, for example, um, I will buy the state of the art printer, print the whole exhibition, and then sell the printer because it just doesn't make sense to hold on to, you know, a yeah. $1,500, $3,000 printer because, you know, likely I'm not going to use it very often and it's just going to, you know, get clogged and it's going to lose value and it, it kind of doesn't make sense. It's it's kind of like, you know, the small cameras, you know, that are being replaced by, by camera phones. I mean, people are realizing that, yes, the little guys are probably, you know, more dedicated to photography, but... You know, they could instantly upload their images shot on their phones, and it sort of makes more sense. I think, um, you know, these big printers are, are probably losing ground because uh, the quality of, of, of stuff, when you seriously want to get stuff printed, 
um, is very good now, and you can find a lab. Maybe it's more challenging in some places, as Tristan mentioned, but you know you can usually find a, a one or two places that cater to photographers. And it may not make sense to to print your own to the extent that uh, we did just just maybe three or four years ago. So, and yeah. like Alex, I think books are are the greatest way to to have a hard copy of things. One last point, you know, I I think that arguably the most archival form of a digital photograph is a print. I mean, if you make one of these 200-year lasting Wilhelm prints, um, you know, all the rest of it, all your hard drives are a, a leap of faith, whereas a print is still something that you know. And I think it's a good idea for photographers to take their retrospective photos, their five stars, their top 100, and have a set of prints made as, as the ultimate uh, backup. I would love a service like that connects to these photo sharing sites like, say, Instagram or whatever, where I can flag a photo that I'm particularly proud of and just have it show up at my house as a hard copy print. <laughs> You know, yep. it, you know, I pay a little fee for, <clears throat> but you know, every now and then I get a shot that hey, that's kind of cool. I want to see that. And I could just click a checkbox, and boom, a couple of days later it shows up and it's shared online and all that. So, well, I'll give you forty-one million dollars to make it happen. Done. Send me the contract. Yeah, I'll sign right now. <laughs> well, and I think that one of the things I think is interesting as we look at the future is that there's also just a, you know, my, uh, you know, my kids don't expect to see anything in print. You know, yeah. they don't. That when I look at how they interact with all of that, they're quite happy with the the quality that they're getting out of their iPhone. You know, you know, I I bought them cameras like little you know digital cameras, but they were much nicer than what's on their iPhone, and they just never use it. Yeah. You know, they're they're and and I asked them why, and they're like, well, my, I have my iPhone with me all the time. You know, and they and they've gotten very good at taking photos, and they they take panoramas, and they you know they do all kinds of fun stuff. But you know, their major output is Facebook. Yeah. You know, and that's yep. the you know that's that's really where they where they want to put it out, and they don't. They don't really consider, like you ask them, when, when would you want to print it? I've, I had this discussion, like, why would you print a picture? Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's just a changing, I think it's a really quickly changing marketplace. But you go, you go to these conferences like WPPI or Photo Plus Expo or wherever, Photoshop World, and you see these like Epson and Canon show up with there's these beautiful booths with these gigantic like Star Wars at at Walker style printers, you know, there's this gigantic making well, these I, beautiful I that prints I, that come out of there, and I I see those and I'm like, you know, I want that big printer because I want to put something like that on my wall. Is there a, is there a toss up? Can I get that quality well, from an online that, lab? I think you get that as a service. Yeah. You know, I think that's the issue is that you get that as a. You know, I think that that's where we're, we're really talking about is that when you see those huge printers, I think that having those as a service makes a lot of sense. Owning one of those yourself. Not so much. Yeah. Unless you know, you're selling one. You're selling them. Each time you crank a print out of that, it's got money. a you know, $3,000 price tag on it or something. Yeah, yeah. you've got you to pay for that printer. If it costs you $2,000 and you have it for you know, a year and a half or whatever, you've got to make back that and more or else it sort of doesn't make sense unless you're really passionate yeah. about printing your own stuff if you're not a, a professional. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, guys, the next story, the last story that we're going to talk about today is from, it's about Samsung. So Samsung has, is, uh, has tapped a company called Tessara Technologies for their OptiML Zoom technology. There's a lot of letters in there. Um, so basically, <laughs> it provides 3x Zoom capabilities. And here's the key part, without moving parts. So Zoom lenses with no moving parts. So... I'm glad Alex is on the show today because I need to understand how, because as far as I know, light has been the same way for, you know, 
a lot, a long time. So how can they do this without moving parts? And are they just interpolating through software or what? You know, you you know about this? Yeah, I I don't. To be honest with you, I don't completely understand. You know, it's something that I I uh, I'm not totally clear of as far as exactly how they're doing it. I mean, yeah. what it looks like is they're somehow like the the idea of not having moving parts is the part that I don't you know quite. Um, or, or the part about it says that they're increasing available light by up to 250% without degrading the image quality or depth of field. That seems to bend physics, you know. Yeah, there's a certain level of you can have your cake and eat it, too. You're right. And, it's and, like and so that's I, black hole technology there. I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like that, you know, they're, they're using some kind of lens set that would allow them to do stuff. But I don't understand how you use the lenses without um, moving something. Yeah. Yeah, either you, know, so, you have to move, or the lens elements have to move, or the subject has to move. But something's moving, you know, in order to get that image bigger. Tristan, do you? Are, what do you think about this? Do you, you have any insight into how this technology works? Uh, I must be honest. I, I haven't got any clues, and they don't they don't reveal too much about it. I think the I wonder if perhaps the the, the meaning of no moving parts is mean that means that the zooming and that is kind of internal in a way that it's not you're not going to have any kind of ex- extruding lens coming in and out but i don't know for certain i mean we've seen statements that have been translated incorrectly before mm-hmm. um particularly with samsung with with certain devices so i, I don't know for certain um but i mean it i can tell you that from a, a construction point of view if they can do it without without any physically moving parts whether it's internalized or, or not um, will certainly be fantastic from a, a, a robustness of, of this, and I can see it being implemented in, in you know, a lot more than just um, cell phones and that as well. Uh, I think one of the greatest headaches with compact cameras is a lens that protrudes because it's generally the first thing that's going to break on it. Yeah. Um, just my experience when I did repairs is it's, you know, if, if you haven't sat on it, you're gonna it's going to break with the flexi circuitry running in it and stuff like that. So it's it's generally not a favorable way of constructing constructing a camera. Yeah. So I'll have, um, I'll have yeah. to, you know, Steve. I mean, Steve, I know you're not. You're you're probably not familiar with this. Have you have you looked into this at all? And does it, if this came out, would this affect your world at all? Or are you just like, <laughs> hey, I'm yeah. I'm still. You know, you're like me because I'm I'm still trying to like get really intimate with the set of lenses that I have, and now we're going to change the technology. What do you, What do you think about this? Yeah, my sense from looking at the you know press release is that it was geared for you know cell phone cameras. It sounds like an enhancement, which means uh, it's probably you know software based. So I don't think they're they're changing physics at all. And whether or not this could apply to the high end um, uh, you know bigger DSLR market, I, I I don't think so from from here. But I mean, I would like to come back in a hundred years and just sort of see where we're at. Uh, it's hard and to I think- really predict. Here's my only guess. Here's my only guess at how this might be working. I think that uh, what what might actually be happening is you have three different lenses that are have basically you know some something related to polarization or that they're you know mm. that they're set up in a way that they each lens is seeing a different image. So so the idea, but it's it's phased so that the sensor can decide which phase it's looking at. You know, and, and so, yeah. I, you know, and I think that, that the only way I can think about how you would do this is you'd have three different lenses and each one is getting an image, but it's phased in a way that the lens can look, decide which one it's looking at 
at any point in time. It doesn't see the other two, um, you know, which would be pretty complicated technology <laughs> and, and very exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, but that would be the closest thing I could think of. And so basically it's just deciding the lens, the, the camera changes, which it's looking at there. Uh, if, it did, if it did that, then theoretically you'd have three, you know, there'd be no moving parts. And you'd have three different zooms because each one would be magnifying it differently. Uh, you know, but it would only be seen when the chip switches to a, um, to you know, to the to the correct. Uh, I want. I don't want to say polarization because I doubt. I doubt it's pol polarization. But the, but if you can imagine that, um, you know, uh, some kind of phase where it would allow it to see it on the different lenses. That's my only guess. Yeah. Yeah. What it, what excites mm -hmm. me more is sort of future technology and sensors that. Uh, have sort of a built-in HDR effect where they take kind of three images, merge them together, and we have this amazing dynamic range, but the same experience of today where we, you know, press the shutter once and capture it once, and we've got this incredible dynamic range. I, I suspect that is probably what we're going to see, you know, in terms yeah, of... Yeah, I would love to see that, yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. Samsung, if you're listening, or if anyone in the <laughs> uh, in the, the TWIP army uh, knows anyone from Samsung, please put them in con contact with us. We'd love to have them on the show to help explain this technology to us so that we can uh, get excited. It's, yeah, it's really definitely. interesting. All right, guys, uh, a quick announcement. Um, if you've been listening to the show, you know that we are looking for writers. If you're interested in helping us create This Week in Photo, um, head over to thisweekinphoto.com forward slash contribute to learn more about how to apply and have your articles appear on the site. So we'll be kicking that off in the next week or so, and you'll start seeing more content daily even showing up on thisweekinphoto.com. All right, our next sponsor, Alex, who... Uh, Who's, our next uh, sponsor here is is FreshBooks. Oh, cool! So uh, FreshBooks is just a great way. A, a lot of us are, um, especially when we get started, we're getting. Uh, you know, we you you you're trying to make this all work. You're you're trying to do all the shooting. You're trying to you know get everything done. But the problem is, if you don't get those invoices out, if you don't, and, and if they don't look professional, like people make a lot of decisions about your invoices. I think this is one of the things that really stressed stressed me out a lot when I got started, was the fact that I didn't want to send out something that looked you know uh, you know half half put together, uh, you know, where it just didn't look like I really knew what I was doing when I sent the invoices out. And so sometimes I would delay them for months, <laughs> yeah, weeks, days, you know, whatever. And the big thing is, is that cash flow is so important. You got to be, you know, on top of that. And so, so this is a, uh, you know, what FreshBooks does is it allows you to handle all of that online. They have a great way for you to, um, you know, basically, uh, you're able to have an, you know, you, you can fill it all out online. It's going to look great. You can, you know, choose from templates, upload your logo, put it all together, and it's going to look like a refined piece. Uh, then you can send it to your clients. They can download a PDF of the invoice. Um, if you want to pay a little bit extra, it's like $1.39 or something, you can actually have it put in an envelope and sent to them in U.S. mail. Um, but you can also, um, they can even pay for it uh, if you choose to. They, if they have PayPal or there's other electronic payment services, you can have them pay online, handle it all. You don't have to deal with how to, how to put a lot of that stuff together. Just, just have them go up in PayPal and, and, and pay you. Um, without having to do any of that. You can also have automated late late payment reminders that come through. Uh, if you invoice by the hour, it has a time tracker that will just automatically build your invoice from the time tracking. So if you're getting started, I mean, this is just a great way for you. you for up to three clients, you can actually, uh, it, it's free. And then for a very small fee, you can start adding more clients if you want. And so, uh, but you can put them all together. It's one central place that keeps track of it. It, it handles it all for you. You look good. You get it done. Uh, you know, and it's just such an important thing uh, as we're putting it together because we're not, we're photographers. We're not, you know, 
you know, we're not accountants, yeah. <laughs> you know, most yeah. of us. And, and we don't want to, you know, this is, this is an, unco- it's already uncomfortable for us to ask for money because we're just, you know, we're just trying to, you know, do our <laughs> thing, you know, you know, and, and, and it's like, it's like, Oh, I have to, you know, and that's, that's typical of creatives. They like to create yeah. stuff, but don't like to ask for money for it. Right? They don't want to have the money conversation. And so, and so the thing is, is that FreshBooks just makes that easier. It, it uh, lets that all kind of glide through. It makes it look good. It makes it, <clears throat> excuse me, it makes it, uh, uh, you know, just a great and e- much easier experience. And if you sign up right now, check this out. If you sign up right now, you can get a free birthday cake. That's awesome. It doesn't even have to be a birthday cake. I just love to hear that sentence. That sentence just sounds cool. If you sign up now, you get a birthday cake. You get a free, and, and, and here's the thing, they're, they're actually pretty good cakes. John Riley, I think we talked about this in a previous show. John Riley actually, he is using FreshBooks for his invoices, and um, he got a cake. <laughs> That's awesome. And so the office ate the cake. And, and it so doesn't the, have to be your birthday, right? It's just, it doesn't have to be your birthday. It, it is a birthday cake, but it doesn't have to be your birthday. And uh, and they actually send them out, and they're actually pretty good. I, I've had them. So um, anyway, so go up to FreshBooks.com and uh, let them know that Twip sent you. It's going to ask you where you heard about this. And you definitely want to go up to FreshBooks.com. Sign up. Give it a shot. Uh, and uh, once again, let them know that Twip sent you. Thanks. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot, Alex. All right, uh, real quick, a while ago I had the opportunity to interview um, SEO or search engine optimization expert Zach Prez on my blog at frederickvan.com. And in that interview, he revealed a bunch of tips for what he called taming the Google. Now, here's an interview we just did for TWIP where he discusses some very specific marketing tips that photographers can get out there today to start getting clients and customers knocking on their door tomorrow. I am back with Mr. Zach Prez. He's the guy behind photographywebmarketing.com. And uh, Zach and I were just joking before I clicked the record button on this interview that his domain name is purposely loaded with keywords so that <laughs> so that it will definitely rank in the search engine so he is uh he's practicing what he preaches and what he preaches is last time he was on this week in photo he uh was giving all sorts of valuable tips and tricks to photographers in terms of how to wrangle Google into submission to get your listings up to the top of the deck um, well, he's back and he has broadened his sort of focus to include SEO, but also a whole bunch of other things as well to, co- to create a complete picture for the photographer that's operating a business online. So, Zach Prez, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Frederick. Great to be here. It's awesome to have you. So, last time you were on, SEO was, was the name of the game. Um, now, you're, you sort of racked your focus and you put on a wide-angle lens and looking at the market from a, from a more of a holistic standpoint, what was the what was your mindset behind that move? I've been consulting on SEO for some time, and almost every conversation inevitably leads to something beyond SEO. Because even if you're ranking very well in search, that doesn't mean that the phone is ringing. Getting that traffic to call you can be very difficult. So I found myself talking about things like design and usability, um, email marketing, social media stuff. It's basically closing the gap so that once you've got these people from search or other forms of online marketing, uh, you're communicating to them in a way to get them to call you right away and get them hired. Yeah, and that's the name of the game, right? It's conversion. Uh, so let, let's talk about that a little bit because I get a lot of questions on this as well. Photographers have to wear two hats online, or uh, at least two hats, and one of them is 
it's a gallery, right? So all their work is available for people to see their their prowess behind the camera and in software, and that they know what they're doing. But on the other side, it's a business, and you, like any other business, you got to get people in the door in order for them to see your wares before anybody will buy anything. Do you? How do? You, how do photographers reconcile that? Do you, are you finding that that the photographers that you consult with? understand that or is it you know the uh you build it and they will come mentality yeah it's i I haven't seen many if any people doing this really well um most photography sites are great at showcasing their photos but something as simple as asking somebody to book you after they've looked at those photos can make a huge difference on the amount of phone calls you're getting um to actually do a project for somebody. So it's filling out the rest of the photos with information that moves somebody more toward a purchase. Either looking at other galleries, following or subscribing so that you have another chance to market to them later, or really telling the story about who you are and why people like you, like your photo and then testimonials from people. Just to say that you are a legitimate business, you're trusted, and you are looking forward to working with that person viewing your website. Yeah, and how much, I mean, a lot of this stuff is, it's the, it's the blend of business or internet marketing with, with art and photography, right? So, and we both know from the internet marketing world, one of the things that, that is necessary to get people to sort of identify with who you are is you got to have a story, right, around who you are and how you got to where you are and why you're qualified to be doing A, B, and C for the client. Is it important for photographers to have some sort of story around how they got to where they are to help them identify with the client, or is it more about, hey, I'm, I'm competent behind the camera? Uh, it's probably a little of both. Um, when somebody comes to a website, first, of course, they're looking at the photo quality to see is this uh, the type of work that I want to pay for. And right after that, they're going to be looking to things like, well, who is this person that's taking the photograph? Are they a good fit for me? Especially if it's a bride who's got the biggest day of her life coming up. She wants to know, is there a trust and rapport there? Um, Does the pricing fit the budget that they have set aside? Does the location fit with where um, they're located? And do other people similar to them like this person? Are they a trusted photographer who knows what they're doing? So visitors are definitely looking for other clues like that. And the easier you can make that for them, the less chance they are to leave and go back to Facebook or Google or wherever they came from. Right, right. So then once, once you got them, or once, once you've done your magic on the SEO side and you get them into your storefront, which is your website, um, how important is the look and feel? I mean, you know, of course it's obvious. You want a glossy, glitzy, beautiful looking website. But there's, there's a, I know there's a level deeper than that that photographers need to be cognizant of. You can't just throw up a flash gallery and put some images in there and expect people to expect things to work like Google and all that. What tips can you give photographers on how to structure their web presences so that they get the most bang for their buck? The biggest thing is not to be afraid to use text. Text is great for search engines and it's great for people that want to know what your services are or who you are or what you do. 
Um, so on every page, that goes for the home page down into the galleries to definitely blog posts. You want text that sells yourself. And you can do that in a non-marketing pushy way just by describing the projects that you do. And in that description, a lot of that story is going to come through about who you are, what you like to shoot, um, the venues and locations that you've shot at, and your experience. Uh, that will speak for itself in the text. And you don't have to be afraid that it's going to turn off people that are looking at the images. They're still going to look at images. The people that are interested in reading more would then have that material right there. Yeah. So the best thing that you can do for conversion is take the top five pages of your website or blog. It's typically the home page and maybe a handful of other pages that are doing well in search engines. And consider those uh, in what they in the marketing world they call them squeeze pages. You're kind of bottlenecking your traffic through some very important top level pages and that's where you can do most of your selling. So you do um, a little bit of selling but it hits 80% of the audience because that's where most of the people are going. Yeah. So, okay. So the again, I'm hearing I'm hearing definite undertones of internet marketing in here and and things that photographers can do that internet marketers are already doing. So with on that, um you know, we've, I've, I know you and I are sort of in the same industries, and we've been hearing at least over the past several years that email is dead or dying. I know a couple of years ago it was RSS is replacing email, and e no one opens email anymore. Now it's all about Facebook and Twitter and direct messages. Is email dying? Is it going away? And and the second part of the question is, if it even if it is or if it isn't, is it a viable way for photographers to be using to get the word out and communicating with potential clients? Email trends are going down slightly, um, but then again, so is print, and that doesn't mean it's an ineffective form of marketing. Email is a great way to get in front of people. In fact, if I could have one person come to my website tomorrow, uh, if they're not calling me for a consultation right away, I would want them to subscribe to my emails because that enables me to get in front of them several more times and convince them that I am the person to meet their business goals. So email is a great way to advance marketing beyond the two to three minutes you have with somebody on your website. And a simple trick that photographers could do, uh, instead of just putting sign up for my email newsletter, because there's really no incentive for a user to do that, is to create um, something of value for the user. Maybe it's a free PDF download that gives um, tips for uh, a photography session or what to expect type of information. Or maybe it's an email series, uh, email class, that educates this potential user on um, some different things in the photography space. And in putting that sort of valuable information behind an email gate, you can collect a lot of addresses really fast. When I went from a typical newsletter on my site to a free email class on web marketing, my subscription numbers grew 10 times immediately. So photographers can use uh, email hooks to capture those names, and then email is really just a numbers game. 
and photographers should expect only about a 20% open rate on the outflow that they're sending. So if you've got a list of a thousand people uh, and you send that thousand people an email, only 200 are even going to open the email to read it. So that's kind of where you're hearing email is not as effective anymore because those open rates are going down and down year after year. But that said, 200 people is a great amount of people to get in front of if you can send them an email. And chances are you'll be able to reach them more easily through email than relying them to come back to your website or them seeing you on Facebook or Twitter. So then, so then the question that, that I, I would imagine some photographers out there are asking, they're like, okay, I have my, my free PDF on, you know, this particular tip or technique or whatever, and, or if I'm a wedding photographer and I'm trying to get brides, maybe it's, you know, how to look great on your wedding day, 10 tips to do that or something, mm -hmm. right? So they download that. Now they have this list. Then what? Are they, are they going to send that list? Like these are photographers sending to brides in this example. Are they going to send that list um, discounts or what, what, what's the content that they need to be pumping out to those people? The best thing you can do is deliver quality content. That's what is going to get you the highest open rates. So in the journalism world, it's articles about what's going on in news and not... Um, you know, discount or contest type stuff. So what you would find is uh, an email newsletter gets a significantly lower open rate than an email series. So when people are giving you their email address to learn valuable information, you'll find that they open it with much higher frequency. So photographers should think about what can they give of value to this bride or this potential family portrait person um, that moves them closer to purchasing. Is it information about um, how great photos can look, uh, how to hang them on your wall, um, how to prepare or how to do some at-home type things? Those types of things just reestablish that um, you're giving valuable information, that you've been doing this for a long time, um, and you can definitely soft sell your services within that content. Got it, got it. So it's important to have that contact with the, with the client. Yeah, and you would want to create that valuable material ahead of time. You don't want to start collecting names and think, okay, what can I send them now? You want to have that already. So as you get names every week or every month, you do a little reach out to them saying, uh, you know, you recently downloaded my guide or signed up for my series. I thought you might want to know this uh, because I thought it would be helpful to you. And just doing that enough, um, you're dripping on them that you're interested in them, that you're trying to help them, and they should in turn uh, have a more likelihood of hiring you than they would otherwise. Right, right. Okay, so switching gears away from email, um, like I mentioned a, a minute ago, Facebook, Twitter, Quora, you know, all, the, all these different ways that people are reaching out and connecting with each other that are not email. Should photographers be paying attention to that stuff? I know photographers are rushing onto Facebook and doing all sorts of things there. Is that the right thing for them to be doing or should they focus on one service? Uh, rightfully so. I, I think they should be rushing to it. Um, you know, I battled Facebook for a long time. Um, 
because I didn't think it would help my business. And I'm seeing the exact opposite of that. Uh, it's simple and free and easy to create. And it gives you an additional presence that gets in front of people and meeting them where they are. Um, I'd say that t Facebook is working much better for people than Twitter is because most photography clients are on Facebook and they might not be on Twitter. So Twitter is great for meeting peers, uh, connecting with other bloggers, uh, making partners, but it's probably not the best place to get new photography clients. Facebook, on the other hand, um, is similar to an email where they're seeing your stream of marketing or projects or news or posts um, flowing through on a regular basis. So it just gives you more opportunities to get in front of them. I definitely think it's something worth doing as long as users know that it's not the be all and end all. Uh, Facebook is great for people that already know you, but it might not do the best job of reaching new audiences. Yeah. So wrap it up. What about um, which is most important, or if you can rank these? Um, and I know this is a this is going to be a tough question. Um, email, Facebook, Twitter, Google. Who's the most important? Well, I think Google is. Um, I'm a bit of a SEO nut, so I always lead with Google. <laughs> Google is going to get you that initial contact, and then. Facebook, Twitter, email are going to follow up with them to keep them in front of you. But if you don't have that very first um, connection with somebody, for example, you couldn't get referred by that person to somebody else. So Google is great for new audiences and meeting people that are out there searching for your services. And then email and social media does a good job of hanging on to them and trying to convert them to give you a call. Nice. Okay, so just to wrap it all up, we at the beginning we were talking about SEO, and that's that's what we were chatting about in the last time I had you on the show. Um, like I said, you've broadened your focus, and you have an ebook out there that sort of speaks to that. Can you can you tell me a little bit about what that thing is about and why you wrote it? Sure, it's called Photography Web Marketing Guide, and it. It pretty much gives some core essential things that photographers can do quickly and easily uh, in all sorts of things online, from social media to online to SEO to the design of their websites to try and get more clients from their online presence. It's reaching more people and then converting those people to hire them at a higher rate than they're already getting. Very good. And how, how long has that been out? Is it brand new? It's brand new in 2011, so it's been a couple of months now. It's doing well. I'm very happy with it. Every time you write a new ebook, uh, it gets easier and better than the previous one. So I'm happy with the tips that it offers. Very nice. And what what is that? What's the price of that? It's twenty nine dollars. Twenty nine bucks. Cool. So um, you, you clued me in that you had a surprise at the beginning before we started recording that you were going to do a discount for the TWIP audience. What's, uh, what are you going to reveal? I'm going to give $10 off so that for less than 20 bucks you can pick up this ebook. Um, you can go to photographywebmarketing.com, use the discount code TWIP, TWIP and save yourself 10 bucks. Uh, and that's good through the end of March. Very cool. Well, I, on behalf of the TWIP listeners, I thank you for that. 
No problem. I hope to share, um, you know, what I've learned over the last 10 years and make it easier for photographers to get more business. Now, Zach, uh, speaking of making it easier, um, a lot of people need one-on-one type assistance and an ebook just isn't going to do it. I know you do some, from time to time, people persuade you to do one-on-one coaching and that sort of thing. Are you still doing that? I am. I've been doing that with great success in probably the last six months and gotten good feedback on that. Uh, in fact, if anybody wants to do a two-hour um, on-the-phone one-on-one session with me, uh, normally I charge $300 for that, but um, I can knock $50 off uh, if you do if you order that through my website and use the same code TWIP. So you can get two hours with me for 250 bucks and we can go in depth on all these subjects specific to your and your web presence. Very cool. Very cool. All right. If you want to leave the the TWIP audience with, you know, say one tip overall on how what they can do right now, today or tomorrow to just get their web presence or their marketing, their online marketing strategy into better health, what would that tip be? Take a look at your most important pages, starting with your home page, and look at it and say, does my visitor have everything they need to hire me if they only looked at that one page? Because chances are they're only looking at maybe one or two additional pages. So every page, especially the most important ones, need to sell yourself. They need to say who you are, what you do, why somebody should hire you, and how they should hire you. So things like, um, this is about me, this is what I do, here's how much I cost, here's what other people say, Um, click here to book a session now. Wonderful. Very good. Well, Zach, thanks a lot for taking the time out of your Sunday evening to to have a chat with me and, and the TWIP listeners about all things photography web marketing. Appreciate it. No problem. Look forward to connecting with everybody. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Zach. Okay, that was Zach Prez. He's the author of Photography Web Marketing Guide or The Photography Web Marketing Guide. You can find out more about what he's up to at photographywebmarketingguide.com. And also, as he mentioned in the interview, his special TWIP or TWIP $10 off discount code is good through the end of March. But seeing that the show is coming out pretty close to the end of March, we'll try to get him to extend that for a few days into April. All right, it's time for some listener Q&A. Every week, our producers scour the TWIP forums at thisweekinphoto.com forward slash forum to find the best questions for us to answer on the show. And here are this week's questions. The first one I'm going to throw over to Mr. Steve Simon. Steve, you want to take this one? Sure thing. Uh, Listener Boris uh, from Wayne, New Jersey asks, I'm going on vacation in Florida, and I'm hoping to shoot some wildlife. But I'm afraid my lens will not give me enough reach. He's got a, a Canon 7D and a 70 to 200. And he's asking, should I rent a, a 100 to 400 Canon lens or should I rent a 2X extender? Um, well, you know, <laughs> those are sort of two uh, sort of uh, poles. <laughs> and certainly, you know, the 2X extender he could rent cheaply and just, you know, keep in his shirt pocket. And it's an easy way to uh, extend the reach of his 70 to 200. But obviously, from a quality standpoint, if he's serious about doing wildlife, um, yeah, I would commit to the 100 to 400 because, you know, the 2X extender will uh, change that 70 to 200 um, and double it uh, at the cost of uh, two stops of light, which, you know, will make that 2.8 uh, an F5.6, I believe. And, um, 
or is it one? Yeah, two stops. And 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 five six may not be you know bright enough. And and there's going to be a quality thing too. I mean, the the, the extender is good if he if he rents a Canon uh, extender, it's going to be great. But again, if he's really serious about it, and it's a commitment because the one hundred to four hundred is a big lens compared mm-hmm. to the extender. Yeah. It's a question of how much time he's going to devote to to his wildlife photography. If he's serious about doing it, he's going to spend the time. I say get the zoom lens. If if it's just going to be you know he's traveling with his family and and he'll take the odd wildlife shot when he sees it, then maybe the extender will be be the way to go. I mean, if you rent the one hundred to four hundred, you're committing to it, Boris, because you're going to lug that thing around. You you want to use it, so uh, I I think that answers the question. Very cool. All right, Steve. Thanks a lot for that. All right, the next question. Oh, go ahead, Tristan. Two cents worth quickly there. I think also the thing on Canon with 100 to 400 is it handles very differently to 70 to 200 2.8. It's a push-pull type zoom. It hasn't got a ring zooming system on it. And for some people, if you haven't used it before, um, it takes them getting used to. So if he's going to go that route, maybe get it a few days before he goes um, on holiday and just get familiar with the way it works. I actually like the push-pull a lot better. Do you? Yeah, I just I, I always find myself going back and forth, and I just I, I for some reason I, I I find it easier. I'm dyslexic, so it's very hard for me to remember which way, like which way I'm turning to go, which way. But with the push pull, I know which way I'm going. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's nice, cool. All right, uh, the next question up, Tristan. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you first, and maybe Alex can chime in on it. It's about the benefits of Photoshop versus Photoshop Elements. You wanna you wanna chime in on this one? Um, I must be completely honest. I haven't. Um, I've looked through the question, and, and I think Alex might be a little bit better equipped on, on answering this. Basically, um, uh, the listener, Madmov, is from Honolulu, was asking, you know, um, whether he's been he got Photoshop elements, and he's been looking at the upgrade to to CS5, and you know, uh, he kind of looked at the the benefits of content to wear full and, and stuff like that. But he really wants to know if there are any other tools that exist in CS5 that, that are not in Photoshop Elements that would make it worth the upgrade. Mm-hmm. Personally, I, I use Photoshop Elements. I haven't played much with CS5. Um, you know, and, and so, I, yeah, I, I can't speak too, too confidently on that. I, I've seldom found, though, that Photoshop Elements has let me down except when it comes to needing to so convert your, your images. Primary, your man. primary image editor is Photoshop Elements, but I know, I think you mentioned before in an email to me or something that you were, you're experimenting with Lightroom as well. So between, yes. between Elements and Lightroom, you're covered and you're, you're happy? You haven't hit any walls yet? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, our, our guy that does our layout, Greg, um, he uses Photoshop and, and the, the, the primary limitations we've experienced with Elements has been when we go to, when we move to print with our magazine, um, working with images in CMYK when we go to print is, is a problem. Photoshop Elements, as far as I'm aware, doesn't support CMYK. It's mm-hmm. only RGB. Right. Um, and so that, that was a limitation for us. But generally, for the kind of stuff I do, um, I find, you know, as long as I've got a healing tool and, and I can play around with some of the presets in Lightroom, I, I used to use for my processing of raw images uh, Capture One, but I'm very quickly becoming a, a fan of, of Lightroom mm. um, and very seldom find myself pulling into to Photoshop elements unless I did something silly like a recent shoot where I didn't clean the back elements of a lens I was 
borrowing and yeah, I landed up with a sensor full of dirt and spent three days editing the dirt out of 20 pictures. Ouch. Ouch. So a good tip is to, to clean clean your lenses before you, particularly if you're borrowing somebody else's lens before you shoot. Interesting thing to note is you are Windows-based, so you're using Photoshop yes. elements for Windows and Lightroom for Windows, correct? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, just put that out there because we're not a Macintosh-specific show. So, <laughs> no hate mail, Alex. You want to uh, you want yeah, to chime sure. in on that a little bit? You know, I think that I think that there are, um, you know, for me, you know, as the way that I work, I couldn't just work in Photoshop Elements, but I think that most photographers could, you know. And I think that you really, I, when you look at some of the stuff, CMYK printing, I think there's more color management tools in Photoshop that are really, you know, designed for the high end. Um, but I think that really where CS5 is going to start stepping away is a lot of the photo editing tools where you can really do some high-end, um, you know, restructuring of the photo and, and, and paint, you know, painting in new stuff and really doing a lot of the work. If you were going to do some heavy-duty, you know, ad agency style um, correction of, of, um, uh, of your models. And we're about to put out some um, crazy tutorials uh, from uh, – we have a guy in-house that – uh, used to do that's all he did was was uh, photo correction for big big corporations and he's going to show what he does in photoshop and cool. if you see that then you go uh oh, okay i need photoshop cs5 <laughs> you, know, you know like i need to do yeah. that if i want to do that level but that's like you know changing the proportions of the of the model you know changing their 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 face that you know moving not just correct not basic correction like complete you know that like the the picture is just the skeleton of what's going to end up on the magazine um at that level you need photoshop cs5 or you know and uh but if you're a photographer who's doing basic cleanup uh that is doing basic correction uh that's getting this stuff out i think it's really hard it's really hard to justify um, that you uh, that you would need more than Photoshop Elements. I know with my family photos, with the stuff that I just take uh, that are not being used for effects or uh, other things like that. To be honest, I do most of my correction in in Aperture. You know, you know, like I don't I don't need a lot of other stuff. I mean, I, I try to take the photos as good as I can while I'm taking them, um, and uh, I don't need a lot more than that. And when I do, you know, I'm, I'm using Photoshop, but the Photoshop. I, the, the tools that I use in Photoshop most often are things that were in Photoshop three. You know, I mean, they're not. There's yeah. not a lot of new. You know, layers are important, but outside, you know, like, but but the, you know, I'm using a lot of the older stuff, and a lot of that stuff's already incorporated into Elements. And I think that, you know, Elements is just a, a real sweet spot. I mean, I think um, Adobe did a great job on it, and I think it's just a great application to extend it, especially if you're using Lightroom. And you just find every once in a while I need to go a little further than where Lightroom goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would start with Elements. I don't think you need to jump to. Um, uh, CS5 right now. That, that'd be my that'd be my opinion. Now, Steve, Save you're $300. yeah, definitely. Now, Steve, you're you are primarily an Aperture. Do you do you find yourself jumping into Photoshop every now and then, or do you just do everything um, in Aperture? Yeah, I mean, you know, now with the Aperture, you know, three point whatever it is, uh, you know, there's selective editing, and there's less and less reason to to go to Photoshop. So I I have it. Um, I just rarely go to it these days. And you know, I, Photoshop is as deep as an ocean. It's it's not really necessarily for photographers. I mean, there's a lot you can do with it. I think uh, you know the guys are right. Uh, Elements is probably all you need. And if there's something specific that you're missing, he did mention the content aware. And if it's something that he thinks he he needs, then you gotta sort of bite the bullet and and pay the price for it. Well, but, and, and the other thing is the the best the best thing to do right now is there's a 30 day version of Photoshop on Adobe.com. So you know download that 30 day version, uh, go through a bunch of the videos that are there, and see if there's any features that jump out. What like you just go, oh my gosh, I can't believe. 
that, that I didn't have that before. And if, if that's the case, then do it. But I, but Adobe has been great about having these 30-day versions that, yep. that are available. And um, as well as putting out a ton of training just to, yeah. to get you up to speed. Because you could just go over yep. there and, and consume the training for half a day and make the decision like, oh, wow, that is amazing. And then you can download it and go from there. Yeah. Cool. All right. This uh, question three, Steve. I'm going to throw over to you. This is about model releases for photojournalism. Um, so why don't you take it away? Sure. A listener, Shabek from Chicago, says, "I take a lot of pictures of house fires, tornado damage, and other natural disasters, um, and he likes to take pictures of the people involved to capture the story, emotions, fire and police officers, etc." Um, if I'm using this as mainly to give to newspapers and and in a photojournalistic way, should I be getting model release of all the people I'm taking a picture of? Uh, no, you do not need a model release when you're doing that type of photography. Obviously, uh, very difficult situations. But the, the second question he asks is, uh, what is the best way to approach someone I just took a picture of who just lost their house and asked them to sign the model release? Well, I don't think there is a best way to do this. I right, don't think it's right. necessary. I think that uh, he shouldn't do this. I mean, obviously, you know, if someone's just raw from uh, a horrible thing that's that's changed their life, and it sounds like these are the kind of life-changing disasters that he's he's covering, um, that's not it's it's not it's not a place for him to to ask someone to model model release. If he can get the information and follow up with the people down the line. Then maybe he can broach the subject. I can't imagine really that he's going to need a model release unless you know you're doing some sort of stock photography. But this this really doesn't apply in that way. So uh, uh, you got to you got to start ask yourself why you're doing this, and you know if it's uh, you know to tell the story and and to share what's happened uh, with with the media. That's one thing. Um, but a model release implies that you're going to be using these photos in a commercial way to make money. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't think it's a good idea necessarily to, to profit off people in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Cool. All right, cool. And the other thing, by the way, as a note, I don't know if we've talked about this on, on, on any of the shows, but, you know, iStock Photo has actually changed a lot of their stuff where they now, I think that they have uh, services where you can, you know, they're they're looking for that kind of um, news gathering location based stuff that, that they that they hadn't done before that doesn't require some of the same releases so yeah check that out now uh, there's there's apps out there for for um, generating model releases and all that stuff too so um, and I've used one but frankly I've found just in terms of just the, the bare bones of getting a model release done just to have some in your, your camera bag you know, just scribble them out, have them sign it, and you're done at that point. But, yeah, that's good advice, Steve. Appreciate that. All right, we're at the time of the show where each guest gives their pick of the week. And remember, a pick can be software, hardware, gear, a workshop, or whatever, as long as it's photography-related. Uh, Tristan, I'm going to throw it over to you first. You want to take it away? Um, well, since I got the uh, iPad, I was, <laughs> You um, are cheating. You are <laughs> No, I found a, a great app for for it uh, called Photogene, which is basically like Photoshop Elements for an iPad, and um, it's kind of become the the basic tool for me. I now import my pictures into there and do the little bit of editing I need, and from there I can upload to Twitter, Facebook, Flickr, Dropbox. It's it's quite an it. it I, didn't have high expectations for it, um, largely because in South Africa we don't have access to the full Android market, and there was nothing like this um, on on Android market in South Africa. Um, but uh, this this app is was mind blowing, and for for what's a two or three dollars, I, I really 
was uh, totally surprised by it. Um, so that that's kind of becoming my photo editing tool with the projects that I'm starting at the moment, where I, I you know import my picture immediately into the iPad and and do my editing and show people then and there and email it off to them. Very cool. All right, Photogene. Yeah, it's on my iPad as well. All right, Steve Simon, you want to tell us what your pick of the week is? Sure. My, my pick of the week is a Sony HVL LBPB high power LED video light. <laughs> what? Not exactly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Sony. This, this is the kind of thing that I would recommend. Lots of, you know, exactly. it's probably very expensive and it has lots of letters. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Lots of letters. And you're absolutely right, Alex. It's very expensive. It, it's about $570. I've, I've been kind of wanting this for, for a while. I, I saw. Uh, wedding photographer uh, Mike Cologne uh, in action with one of these things, and um, you know, for still photographers, it's it's a great little tool. Uh, now that we've got this great high ISO capability, um, you know, he would use this light. It's a daylight uh, balanced light, although there's a filter that you can um, use with it. Uh, it brings it up for um, uh, for color, as you know, for for tungsten type lighting. Um, but you can have someone aim this, you know, at your model, sort of on the streets, and it just provides this kind of uh, beautiful emphasis with a nice soft quality of light um, in kind of real life situations. And that's what I, I kind of liked about what this thing does. You know, it packs a lot of power. It's dimmable, and although it's primarily a video light, um, it's a it's a great little. It's small. It's battery powered. And um, I, I just, I, I, I had, I had some extra cash. I've been wanting this for a while. I just got one. I haven't used it yet. I'm hoping to apply it in, you know, some commercial jobs. Uh, you know, if I, if I ever get one. And and I think it's going to be, <laughs> I think it's going to be a, a great little uh, tool uh, to supplement, you know, my regular speed lights and my, my flash. Um, next thing I want to look at is these these light panels because I've been hearing um, a lot of and it's LED doesn't get hot. A lot of photographers now are, are, I know video guys, and Alex maybe can speak of it, but these light panels now are being used. Uh, they're, they're small, they're, they're expensive, yeah. but they pack a lot of power. They're co- you can dial the color in. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, we have, we have a lot for of the future, panels. it's going to be great. Yeah, we have a lot of light panels. And um, we have, I think we have just about every size that they make. <laughs> so we have, um, I think we have like 15 of the one-by-ones, and then we have... Uh, three or four of the really small micros, and then we have there's a there's one that's in between, and I can't think of the name of it right now, but they're um, it's like a slightly larger one. And the great thing about them is, is if you you know I've been doing this long enough with continuous light that I remember having a belt pack that had to power our camera lights, and it would still only last like four or five hours. And these ones are just you throw some AA batteries into them, and they last forever. And um, and they uh, or some of them you know you put camera batteries on the back, and they last, but they just because they're LED, they last. A long, long time. One of the things about light panels, what you're really paying for with light panels is they tend to, they're grabbing the, um, uh, you know, the way they make these LEDs on a, on a like, kind of like a wafer. It's like a, they print these LEDs. And, you know, what happens is, is that the consistency of the LEDs changes as you go out to the edges. So the ones in the center are exactly the way they were designed. So pure white is pure white. As you go further out, they become, uh, you know, they just vary a lot more. And so what you, when, when you're buying an expensive LED, t- typically what's happening is they're selecting all of the, they're kind of hand-picking all those little LEDs from the center, whereas the ones that are further out are just cheaper and, and they're less expensive. Um, sometimes it doesn't matter. So the other thing to look at is there's some LEDs now that are coming out that are $150, $200. A lot of the construction isn't that much different. It's just that they're using, uh, ten, ten, they tend to use less expensive LEDs, which may not be quite as accurate. Um, you know, so instead of being 56K, they might be 54K or they might vary somewhere in between. And, 
And as I said, sometimes that matters and sometimes it doesn't. You know, yeah, for, what, for what, sure. uh, what, what piqued my interest, my interest, Alex, in these uh, light panels was, uh, you know, Gregory Heisler, who is this, you know, icon and lighting master, has uh, used some of these light panels for doing, you know, some portrait work. And, and the idea of just having kind of a small package like that, they can be battery powered. Um, yep. Easily set up, easily easy to see because mm -hmm. it's continuous light. Yep. Uh, sounds kind of attractive, but I I haven't yet. They're really great. I mean, I, we have a we have a we have a flyaway kit, so we have a Pelican case. It's a sixteen twenty, and it's got, and so it's it's one of those things. It's it's the size that you could almost you could carry on if as long as you know you could carry on to most airlines. It's technically a little too large, but you could you really could carry it on. Um, and it's got two one by ones with two micros, um, and that really is this like we can light an interview. You know, uh, you know, or or you know, a little photo shoot with these, and you can have you know, because the light panels are such a, lo a low draw. It's a couple of things. One is you don't worry about the power in your hotel room, you know, that you're shooting in if you're if you're there, or you don't have to worry about, you know, you can plug one. You just need one plug. You plug it in, throw a strip on it, and you can plug all the lights in, and you're not going to blow any circuits yeah. because they're just tiny. I mean, as far as the, I mean, tiny as far as the uh, impact of the uh, on the um, infrastructure. Also. You can attach batteries to the back of them, and um, and now you're you know totally portable. You just have a you have a C stand or a, or a light stand, and you just move the move it move it around. Especially if you're outside and you want to shoot something outside and you want to get some fill, um, or you want to get a key light or whatever, and you can move them around and you're not worried about plugging them in. It's it's just and you can't you just can't do that with the other lights because you got to plug them in. They're just they just the power draw is too high, and so yeah. so it's just a, um, they are. I mean, it's one of the better purchases. I mean, they, it didn't it wasn't an inexpensive purchase on our end. I mean, we, we probably have invested, um, you know, close to $30,000 in light panels. And yeah. so what, it's not, what are you looking up for? Like just a normal one for your, your mere mortal, Alex, if you yeah. wanted to jump into that, how much, how much are we looking at out of pocket? I think, I think the, the, the one that, that you can just throw on your camera and get a little bit of fill is the micro. So, um, you know, the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the you know, that, that's, yeah, and that's, that's not as attractive. It's a, it's a small light. I mean, my pick of the week, the Sony one, uh, the beauty of it is it's, it's a lot more powerful than that. And, you know, it's got a built-in diffuser, a built-in, you know, sort of right. magnifier for spot. It's, it's very versatile. It's got the dimmer and all that stuff. And it's a lot brighter than the, the micro, um, the micro light that right. you're and talking the micro, about. Alex. And the mic, well, as we talk about starting in, I, I do think the Sony is, um, you know, as I said, if, if someone's starting and they're, and they just want to add something to it, there is, uh, you know, I would, you know, the micro, you know, the, there's the micro and I believe there's a micro pro and, um, and so those are the two that from a light panels perspective that I would look at. And then there's also a hybrid, which allows you to change the, um, you know, change the, change a bunch of the pieces there. So, uh, but the, um, uh, but those are the ones that if I was getting started, but I think that I, I'm not familiar with the Sony one. I haven't used it. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I definitely think that, that, you know, you're going to pay a little bit more and you're going to get a lot more light. You know, the micro pro for instance, has a lot more light than the micro. And so, um, and the one, obviously the one by one has a lot more, but it's, it's going to be a lot more expensive than, than the Sony. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, um, the Sony looks, sounds really awesome. So I would definitely check it out. And, and as I said, I would look around and, and you got to make a decision about how accurate and how bright and how, because there's a lot of other people who are making, you know, it, it's one of those things that there are a lot of people ma now making, um, uh, these little LED lights. So they're not the only ones, you know, in that market. I can, um, there's a company called ICAN, uh, I K A N that makes, um, LED lights that are a lot less expensive. Um, you know, so you can, um, you know, they have, a, and some of them are adjustable and, and so on and so forth. And so, 
you know, they're not maybe not quite as accurate as the uh, as the ones we saw there, but they're but they're also great. And if you're getting started, they'll you know they're not going to hit your wallet, you know, as hard. Yeah. You know, so that's the other thing to think about. There's a one I think I actually own. I bought it from the company that Supply and I can when I was at um, at a at a show. And uh, so I own one of the ones that they that they bought. It's great. You go to these shows, and sometimes there's these Chinese manufacturers, or this one is a Taiwanese, and they were selling them for like two hundred fifty dollars, and it's like adjustable, and it's powerful, and all this stuff. It's a lot more on their website now, but um, but uh, it was like they sold it to me like two hundred bucks or one hundred fifty bucks because they're still trying to find a distributor, and so I I bought some. Um, so anyway, so uh, so anyway, and and you know, but you, there's a lot of options, and again, it's just accuracy and and so on and so forth. I think ICANN has one as little as 120 or uh, 130 dollars, you know. And so, so these are they're not going to be as powerful as the Sony that Steve's talking about. And if you're really looking for a professional version, um, you want to look at those kind, you know, the larger light panels and the Sony um, you know, LEDs. But I think that also. Um, if you want to get something that's just going to add a little fill light to what you're doing, there are many, many options, and it's definitely worth trying. And and, and Frederick, we should we should we're going to start doing a lot more video as our, once our studio is finished, and we should yep. definitely get a bunch of these in. We'll talk. We'll we'll show people what they look like, and we'll talk about um, you know what that means. Absolutely. And with that, Alex, what's your uh, what's your pick? My pick is a workflow. Uh-oh. It's not a thing. It's a workflow. And it's something that I've gotten myself, that I've really forced myself to do a lot more lately. And it's just really, really worth it. Uh, I have really started to, within within uh, 24 hours and oftentimes within hours after I shoot anything of my kids uh, or any project, I really work to get them into my photo program um, and and go through, make selects, make some basic. And if, if I'm selecting something, I make basic color correction. I do it while it's still fresh. You know, and it's just, it is, it's daunting because I now I have, you know, hundreds of thousands of photos in my aperture library and it's just daunting to think to go back and make selects out of all the stuff that I've shot all over the world. And it's just, it, it's one of those things that when I started getting it, I was, I, I just realized, I don't know when I'm going to get back to the old stuff, but what I can say is on the new stuff, when I shoot it, I'm going to put it in there and I'm going to rate it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, if I don't give it any stars, I'll probably never see it again. You know, it's still going to be there. It's not going to be, you know, whatever, but I probably, um, you know, never, never worry about it. In fact, the other thing that I'm doing, I'm doing, uh, more of is that my heavy duty backups, you know, you, you, when you're starting to, you know, I take hundreds of photos a week of my kids, of the of business, of stuff for work and everything else. And I've just decided I can't save everything, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and so I'm saving it. I'm not, not deleting it, but I'm not doing the redundant, redundant backup of every, anything that doesn't have a star, is still in the library, but it's not getting vaulted to everything because it's just driving up, you know, it's too much, too yeah. many drobos, too many drobos, um, you know, <laughs> so I have a lot of drobos, but it's too many. And so, um, uh, so uh, I, but, but I, I find that it's just much, it's, it's much less to bite off if you get into it. And so, you know, it's, and it's really fun. I just have to say that like you're shooting a bunch of pictures of your kids, get them into iPhoto or get them into Lightroom or get them into Aperture. Pick the ones that you like. Do some. Do a little bit of correction. You don't have to do heavy correction. Just kind of clean them up a little bit, um, and and set them up. And it's just it's a it's a very satisfying thing to do. And it also, um, I know that for a long time I would take lots of photos and I wouldn't look at them. You know, but there's a big learning process in seeing everything you just shot when you still remember what you were thinking when you were doing it. Yep, you know, and, and even though all your information's there, you can still remember what the what the issues were and everything else. And I just, uh, you know, that's what my suggestion really is this uh, this workflow of, you know, shooting, 
go put them into something, do some corrections, make those selections, and then move on. You know, and then you can always go back. You don't have to do anything with them then. You don't have to print them or, 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 or whatever. But when you go back now, what's really rewarding now is that now that I've been doing that with all my kids' photos, for instance, I can just say, show me all of the pictures of Malachi that are four stars or above. And boom, I've got all of his photos. You know, because you know, because of all the face technology in iPhoto and, and Aperture, and so, so the, the idea is, boom! I can see all these great photos of them, and I can choose things to put in books and or to send people or whatever. And it's yep. just, but it's something you just want to do all the time. It's not something you want to do later. It's just too daunting. Awesome, cool. All right, and my pick of the week is a PC application. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> surprise! <laughs> surprise! Surprise! So this came in actually from uh, one of our listeners, Greg, and I'm going to read a little bit of his email to me. Um, and of course, I have not tried this yet, so you're going to have to go on Greg's Greg's email to determine if you're going to try it or not. So he says, um, "I think there's an app that needs a huge, huge shout out. It'll forever, forever change the workflow of a PC-based photographer, and it's at FastPictureViewer.com. So basically, what he's saying." Um, He's talking about codecs. He said, particularly Canon users, Canon will not support a raw codec for 64-bit Windows systems. And the Canon raw codec for Windows is a steaming pile of stuff. So he says, look at the site's ratings. And basically saying this codec is 10 times faster at rendering photos in all Windows applications. And then he goes on to talk about his workflow and all that. So definitely go check it out. It's at uh, fastpictureviewer.com. And it looks pretty interesting. So I'd love to know. Uh oh, Steve, is that you? Are you moving stuff over there? Uh, sorry, I just dropped something. Uh, everything's okay though. I'm not hurt. Steve, earthquake in New York City. What's going on? Stop it. Stop it. Okay. Anyway, so that's uh, that is a fastpictureviewer.com, and it is a PC application. So if you're a PC user and you're a Twip listener, please give it a shout or give it a try, and let us know how it works for you. Okay, we are at the end of the show. Alex, where are you at online? Now, the two places to go, really, for right now are uh, to um, follow me on Twitter. So it's uh, Alex Lindsay, all one word, on Twitter. Uh, or you can – I am rarely, but, but more often lately. When I, when I get to NAB, usually a lot of stuff starts to end up on stuff like Bordersack. So Bordersack, B-O-R-D-E-R-S-A-C – Dot com is my little blog and you'll see stuff from Africa and other things if you haven't been there and I occasionally put stuff about technology I tend to write more and show more when I'm uh, at shows like NAB and, and I'll be traveling soon so um, those are the best places to find me awesome cool and uh, Mr. Steve Simon where are you at online uh, Twitter slash Steve Simon and um, I'm doing a I hooked up with Nikonians I'm doing a bunch of these camera specific Nikon workshops I'm going to be in Montreal in April I think the 20th to 24th and in May I'll be in Chicago and then in June I'm in Edmonton where I used to live for, for quite a while so uh, if you have a Nikon you should check it out Nikonians.com very cool alright and Tristan where are you at online? Um, best is at photocomment.net um, or you can find photocomment on Twitter and uh, we've just recently launched I'm sorry it's flash based for the iPad users out there we are, are busy testing an HTML5 version of our online magazine um, but if you go to facebook.com forward slash photocomment mag 
um, you will find that the magazine is now available on our Facebook page. Oh. So you can read it in the place where more people seem to be spending time. So much so that you can now watch movies, I believe, on Facebook. So, yeah. yeah. So if you want to read your photocomic magazine while you're on Facebook, you can find it over there as well. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you. And if you'd like to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook fan page, our Twitter page, and more. And also, don't forget, if you're interested in writing or reporting on the photography industry for TWIP, head over to thisweekinphoto.com forward slash contribute. And then finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can check out my blog at frederickvan.com or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash frederickvan. And with hey, Fred. That, uh-oh. Fred? Before, oh, I, I, before I take the lens cap off? What, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I made a mistake. It's Nikoniansacademy.com. Nikoniansacademy.com. Now you can take the lens cap off. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. The show's content contributor is Eric Horton.